Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, beautiful church. How are you today? So good. Don't you love this building still? Three weeks in. I love it. I love it. Um, Today's like a normal Sunday, which is really great. First two weeks, we had so many special things going on, and, and now we're just like a church family again. I love it. So so glad you're here. If you're a guest, though, we really want to give you a special welcome. And so for those who are part of this church, can you give a good clap to our guests that are with us? Great. Well, I'm excited to jump into a message today. Normally, I spend a little more time kind of warming you up, and, but today I got a lot of information, and so we're just going to go. You ready? Everybody ready to go? So here's, let me tell you what we're going to talk about, and then I'll, I'll pray because we need a good prayer today. Amen? So I want to talk about Israel today, and I want to talk about why Christians should support Israel. And so that's the topic today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that as I speak your word, I preach your message today, that your word would sink into our hearts. And Lord, that we would learn as a church body to take your word, apply it in our life, and live biblically, Lord. And so we know, Father, there's a lot going on in our world. We know there's a lot of different opinions. And God, we want your opinion above all other opinions. And so we pray that today in the name of Jesus. Can I get a good amen, church? Amen. Amen. All right, so listen, as we start today talking about Israel, I want you to draw a parallel thought between natural Israel and a spiritual type of Israel. So natural Israel, we know the Holy Land. We know the Jewish people. And so that's natural Israel. So today we're watching a war, so many things going on, and that's in the natural sense. But also I want you to understand there's a spiritual way to read the scriptures and understand Israel. And the spiritual way to understand it is that the body of Christ is grafted in to the tree of Israel today. And so the blessings and the promises that are for Israel, because as believers we're grafted in, we, we are privileged and honored to be part of the promises and the blessings that were given to Israel are now for us today. So when you read the scriptures and you see it talk about Israel, instead of just thinking in terms of some place over in the Middle East with some people that I don't know, if you'll understand Israel today that we are grafted in, and so instead of it being them, it's we. And that changes the way you see things. And we need to learn to always look at what's happening around us and what is God saying, what's the spiritual way of understanding it. And so what I want to do is to take us to the book of Romans for just a moment. And I apologize to you up front because I did not turn these verses into our tech team in time for them to turn it into things that you're going to see on the screen. So I'm just going to read it to you old school style out of the Bible, all right? Like with pages. Remember those? Everybody remember Bibles that had pages? Yeah, yeah. Some of you have yours. God bless you. You're my favorite today. I'll just tell you that. Oh, I love you. I tried several years ago to try this whole thing about bring paper back to church and have everybody bring their Bibles. It lasted about two weeks because people are like, we got our phones, we're good. And so, listen, you can track along, just listen today, all right? Just listen to this. And so we're talking about 
Israel, and we're talking about us being grafted in. And we're going to see that Israel has sinned, and it has opened the door for us to be grafted in. And so this is what the scripture says, though. This is in Romans chapter 11, verse 1. It says, did God reject his people? And the Bible says, by no means. Paul, the author of this, says, I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham. And he said, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. And so I want to say to you that God is not ever rejecting the Israelites and the Jewish people. He doesn't reject them. Although there is sin and they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that doesn't mean that God has given up on them. As a matter of fact, that doesn't mean that when we talk about the spiritual side of Israel, the church, the local Christians today, we are not replacing Israel. God still has a special place for them. And that's why the Bible says that God has not rejected his people. Then in verse 11, it says, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? And the scripture says, not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. We would be the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, the, the Gentiles. And it says, then why God gave it to us was to make Israel envious. And so what it's saying here is that that God, when they did not accept Jesus Christ, gave you and I an opportunity to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And when we begin to act like holy Christians before God, and we begin to walk out our faith in front of everyone, it will cause the Israelites who have not accepted Christ to see the blessings and the goodness on our life. And they would say, well, I think I want to know that God too through Jesus Christ. So it's to make them envious. And so their sin, their lack of acceptance of Jesus Christ gave you and I an opportunity to know Jesus as our Savior. And so the verse 17 says that some of the branches have been broken off. Talking about Israel when they did not accept Christ, it said some of the branches are broken off. So think of a, a tree. And it says, so some of those tree branches are broken off. And it says, and you, talking about you and I, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others. And it says, and now we share in the nourishing sap from that olive root. And so now that we are grafted in, so one branch came off when they didn't receive Jesus. We said yes to Christ. We're grafted in, and now we are part of those that are walking out the blessings that come with being grafted in. So we are grafted in to the tree that God had developed and made for Israel through Jesus Christ, and now we're in. So I want to say this to us, that God is not finished loving the Jews, he loves the Jews, and we pray for them to receive Christ and be regrafted back into the branch, into the tree again. Christians are grafted, like we are brought into the spiritual inheritance and the promises of Jesus Christ. What is the primary promise that we've been grafted into? Well, the primary promise is salvation through Jesus Christ. And we are saved because we believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again to forgive us of our sin and take away the penalty for our sin. And we have a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. That's the primary promise. But when you are in the promise of God through salvation, then everything that God has ever promised to Israel 
world now becomes our inheritance as well. And I would say because we are his special people now, we have just as great a promises as any of the Jewish people today. Amen? Amen? So we share in those promises. Every promise that God has made to the Jewish people, he has made even greater promises through salvation for us today. So when you read about Israel, and I preach about Israel today, I don't want you to think only about them way over there, because now we're, we're grafted in. So instead of them, we, and what is God saying to the church about Israel today? And so let me jump into this. Israel is at war, and the world is watching. America is sending troops and weapons. Iran and other Anti-Israel nations are on the verge of joining in. The Middle East is at a boiling point right now. It's a serious time. It's a significant time. And if things continue to escalate, it would get really, really interesting around the world. As a matter of fact, it has been said that as if other nations and those who are in Lebanon and Iran begin to join, it could begin to look like a World War III. Today, some Americans support Israel. Some are supporting Hamas and the Palestinians. Yesterday and last night, if you saw the news, there were thousands of protesters chanting, free Palestine and Israel must go and calling for a ceasefire and they filled the streets of Washington with thousands of people and some even tried to climb the White House gates last night in their protest. America has never been at this level of anti-Semitism before in its history. Currently our president and our leadership are staying the course in supporting Israel. And I want to give credit when credit is due. And I thank God that President Biden has stuck by his words to support Israel. And let's pray and let's be vocal that it stays that way. As Christians, though, we have to understand the world through a biblical lens and a, a biblical worldview. And it teaches us to support Israel. And that's why today I'm teaching on this topic of why Christians should support Israel. Now, I believe all of us in the room could agree that war is, is awful. That war is, is, is terrible. It's, it's horrific. And no one likes war. People die. People are hurt. Families are destroyed. Infrastructures of cities and nations are destroyed. Innocent people are, are killed. And the reality is, though, is Israel did not start this war. They didn't begin it. What happened to Israel was and is absolutely horrific. Just to give you the, the, the short version of what has happened, on Saturday, October 7th, the terrorist organization of Hamas launched an unprovoked attack on Israel. And they brutally, savagely murdered and slaughtered Israelis. They kidnapped young and old. They raped young teenage girls as they invaded Israel. It was a planned attack to slaughter 
Israeli citizens and ultimately to wipe them off the face of the earth. It was pure evil. It was an unprovoked attack on Israel and the Jews. And I want to make this statement from the onset of my message, which you all probably thought I was in the middle. I'm just beginning, by the way. Um, just getting warmed up here. But I just want to make this statement from the beginning of my message that, that I want to state unequivocally, and, and not that anyone is actually like really listening to Life Church and Tim Blevins out in the world, but I believe words matter and our declarations matter. But I want to unequivocally make the statement that we stand with Israel and the Jewish people. I also add that we stand with the Palestinians who condemn Hamas and also believe in Israel's right to exist. So there must be a lot of confusion in our country today about Hamas, about Palestine, about Israel. If there wasn't so much confusion in a lack of education, I don't think we would see the same levels of, of these protests in the streets. And I'm not even sure that a lot of people are anti-Semitic as they just are uneducated on what's going on. And they've just picked a side and in many regards, they've turned it into a right or left, a Republican or Democrat, and none of this has anything to do with that. So I want to help educate and, and, and give us a biblical perspective so that you understand why you need to support Israel from a biblical perspective. And so let me start with a little understanding of, of Hamas and, and who they are. So Hamas is an Islamic terrorist organization that operates as the governing leadership of the Gaza Strip. They were actually founded in 1988 off, as an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. And then in 2007, they ousted the Palestinian authorities and they took over control of, of the Gaza Strip. And so they've been in control th since 2007. When they established themselves as, a, as an organization, they came up with a few stated goals and, and I'll read you their two long-term goals that are in their charter. So this isn't just Tim coming up with a, an idea. This isn't, um, you know, fake news. This is, this is in their charter. And so if you don't believe me, just Google it up and find out what is the goal of Hamas. And you will find that, number one, their first goal is to kill Jews and eliminate Israel. Matter of fact, in their charter, and I quote it like this, it says, Israel will exist and continue to exist until, until Islam will obliterate it. The day of judgment will not come until Muslims fight and kill the Jews. That's in their charter. That would not be a great neighbor to have if you were Israel. The second objective they have is to claim all the land that Israel resides and lives. And so their stated objective as their goal as an organization is to eliminate Israel and, and occupy that, that land. Hamas hates Israel. Hamas hates the Jewish people. And they hate anyone who supports it, which means that if we support, then they don't like us either. They hate Israel more than they love their own Palestinian people. Listen to that. They hate Israel more than they love their own people. 
As a governing authority, they hate Israel more than they want to take care of their own people. They place their military operations around their people, around their schools. They place their military operations around their hospitals, putting their people in danger. They're creating a human shield to protect them, knowing that a, a good country will do their best to not attack where the schools are. Hamas has even killed some of their own to create optics against the Israelis and to persuade the uninformed and the fake news channels to turn against Israel. I saw a picture of a, a picture that was generated by AI. AI generated and AI hasn't perfected its, its work yet. And it, it created a, a little young boy that looked like he was suffering greatly and like a, a bomb had blown up around him and he had his hands up and when AI created it, it created him with six fingers instead of five. Giving away the fact that Hamas is creating fake stories in order to persuade people to get the wrong information and then it's being given out through news channels. I will say that even our president made this quote, and again, I am glad to give credit where it's due, but he made this quote saying that he did not believe that the reports from Hamas on the number of civilian deaths in Gaza were true, that they were overstated, inflated. And so they're putting out information so that on college campuses and city streets that people will protest out of incorrect knowledge and they're wrong. I found it interesting. I was listening to different sources and learning. And, and I heard a, another pastor mention this. And so I thought it was quite interesting about the name Hamas. Now, we know that it's an acronym for the Isra um, Islamic resistant movement in their language. So it, it lines up for them. But Hamas, H-A-M-A-S, is found in Genesis chapter 6, 11. And there's a verse here and it says, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with, and everybody say this last word with me, violence. violence. So violence in the Hebrew is spelled C-H-A-M-A-S. Interesting that the word violence, now is it a coincidence? I don't know. But I'll tell you, I believe that the Bible often prophetically speaks about things to come. And so when you see that, you might think violence and tie that together as a warning that this organization is, is bad news at, at best. I believe that Israel has the right to protect itself and its citizens and destroy the Hamas terrorist organization from ever attacking again. I believe they have that right as a nation and I believe they have that right to protect its citizens and I believe they are doing such. And to those who are protesting and chanting Free Palestine need to understand that that is exactly what Israel's trying to do for the Palestinians. They're trying to eliminate a terrorist government from controlling and manipulating its people. And so if they can free them from Hamas, they are actually freeing Palestine. That's why they're uninformed though. 
They think that it's Israel that is causing the problems when it's their government. And anyone who supports the side of Hamas and is saying down with Israel in any way is woefully uninformed and they're siding with demonic forces that wish to succeed in eliminating a race of people. So why, though, does Hamas hate Israel? What, what is, the, what is the, the behind that? Why is it they have in their charter to hate Israel? Well, there's several reasons, and I'll pull one today that'll give you enough to have traction. But one of the reasons that, that any other organization, any anti-Semitic organization that is, I believe, controlled by Satan himself, I believe Satan incites people to hate the Jews. And the reason is, is it's because Israel and the Jews are part of God's ultimate plan to redeem and save humanity. Because God's plan to redeem and save humanity was through the nation of Israel and through the Jews and a lineage that produced our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Abraham was the father of the nation of the Jews. And God gave them this land where they would exist and they still exist there today. But through this lineage, Christ our Savior was born. And Satan will do anything he can to stop God's plan. And Satan hates everything that God is for. And Satan does not want the plan of this lineage to be lived out. And he doesn't want you and I to see the promises of God fulfilled in Israel so that we would not trust in God for our own salvation. So therefore, God incites anti-Semitic nations and organizations to come against Israel to sway people from believing in God. What is happening is biblical, it's spiritual, it's prophetic. I'll take you to the book of Revelation for just a moment and to see why the enemy, Satan, is hating and is trying to stop what is going on. It says there's another sign that appeared in heaven, this enormous red dragon. Understand the dragon is symbolic representing Satan today. So the enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns on its head, exalting itself. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman. The woman, symbolic, is Israel. Satan stands in front of Israel, the woman who is about to give birth, that is Christ, so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She, Israel, through the lineage of Israel, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. What that means is that through Israel, Christ is born as the King of kings, Lord of lords, King of the Jews, and King of the world, and nothing will come against him because he, iron, he rules with an iron fist. Amen? So understanding the dragon is Satan that is trying to devour and stop. The woman was Israel. Christ was the child that it was referring to prophetically. And Satan has always been opposed to God's plan to redeem the world. And since God came through Israel, he sent his son Jesus. Because of that, that puts this, this little bitty small territory this little nation, smaller than New Jersey, on the map as the most important place in the world. 
And there has been a continual satanic effort to wipe out the Jewish people since the day God birthed it. And Satan has never stopped and will never stop until God settles the score once and for all. We're watching in front of us, church, both a, a natural war, but also a spiritual war. And if you learn to see both, you can understand what's happening in our world today. So why is it, though, as Christians, we, we support Israel? Why is it, other than I just what we talked about, other than we see it evil, but maybe there's more to it. I want to share more to it. Before I talk about Israel, I want to say this, though, and, and, and I am a proud American. I love the USA. And I stand for the national anthem and I put my hand over my heart and I honor our flag. I honor our military. I pray and honor our leaders. And I still believe we're the greatest nation on earth. With that said, I want to state this, that I believe Israel, though, is uniquely different, especially to God. God has a special place in his heart for Israel, a special place for the Jews and they're God's special people. So why do we support Israel? Number one, the Jews are God's special people. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse six, it says, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord our God. Talking about Israel, of all the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special people. And since they are God's special people, then they become people that we think are special as well. If God has chosen them, listen, he, he didn't choose America. He didn't choose Canada. He didn't choose Nicaragua. He didn't choose, he didn't choose Iran. He didn't choose, he chose them. And listen, who are we to tell God who he gets to pick? We're nobody, right? He gets to pick who he wants to pick, and he picked them. And so what do we do? We say, amen. We pick them too. I want to pick who God picks. And so God says there is special people. And through his special people is the redeemer of the world, the one that came to save humanity through the lineage of Israel, from Abraham until today, we understand that Jesus Christ is of that lineage. And this brings me to point number two, that Jesus was a Jew. He was a Jew. I'm going to drop us into the middle of a, a story without even giving context to the story, but to just make a little point, all right? So just understand, you may not understand everything, but you'll understand the point. John 4, 9 says the woman was surprised. So there was a woman at a well. She was talking to Jesus and she was surprised that Jesus was talking to her. And the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew. That's my point, by the way. Like <laughs> Jesus is a Jew. And she said, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you talking to me? And so, so the point is, is that, that Jesus didn't refute that. He, I mean, we know him to be a Jew. And because Israel was God's special treasure, he brought his son into the world as a Jew to redeem all of mankind. Jesus was born in Israel. Jesus lived in Israel. Jesus ministered in Israel. 
Jesus died in Israel. Jesus rose from the grave in Israel. Jesus ascended to heaven from Israel. And church, one day on a big white horse, Jesus will return to Israel to judge the world. I think Israel's pretty important. Israel is the most important piece of land in the world. Plus, all of the 12 apostles were Jews. Like, everything, our whole frame of context of what we are reading about in scriptures is, is out of the context of Jewish. All the Old Testament prophets were Jews. Every book in the Bible except for one was written by a Jew. Kind of interesting. One special person. You want to know who it is? <laughs> I bet you do. Luke. Luke was the only one. Luke was the only one. But he also got all his information from a Jew. So uh, <laughs> just, I'm saying it's pretty important. The Jewish people are pretty important. We owe a debt of gratitude to Israel and the Jewish people. The Bible says in Romans, again, we're back in Romans 15. It says, and it's talking about an offering that was given by Gentiles to Jewish people. And it says, says, they were pleased to do it. Indeed, saying the Gentiles, indeed, we owe it to them. Like there's a part of like, we owe them a debt of gratitude, certainly a debt to support them. For the Gentiles now are sharing in the Jewish spiritual blessings. Amen to that. That ought to be like, yay, we get to be part of the promises of God through Jesus Christ that came from the Jews. And it says we owe it to the Jews to share with them material blessings and certainly our support. Amen? Amen. I think it's impossible to say I'm a Christian and not honor the Jews. The Jews gave us our Savior. Number three, why do we support Israel? Well, God watches over Israel. His eyes are on Israel because God loves Israel. And because God is faithful to Israel, and if we're grafted in, that means he'll be faithful to us. If God is watching over Israel and we're grafted in, he's watching over you. I want you to look at this promise in the book of Psalms, chapter 121. And the psalmist writes this. He says, I look up to the mountains. And he asks this question, does my help come from there? And the answer is no. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Verse three says, he will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Verse four, indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps Therefore, the Lord himself watches over me and you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. How beautiful is it that if the promise of God to watch over Israel, to protect Israel, then the promise is for me and you. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the pains and the pressures and, 
and things that are happening and maybe the financial struggles in your life. And, and if you read this text and the psalmist said, is your help going to come from a mountain? Is it going to come from a bank? Is it going to come from any other source in life? Is there a circumstance out there to fix you? Listen, I want you to know everything in the natural will fade away. There's only one place we as a body can look and find the help we need. And that is through Jesus Christ and our Savior who is born for us that we may have all all the blessings of God. We need to be a body of Christ who looks to God, who looks in it with faith and say, God, my life is going through a struggle. I can't figure it all out, but I know, God, my help comes from you. Amen, church? I want you to know that God never sleeps or slumbers on Israel, and he never sleeps or slumbers on you. He always has a watchful eye on Israel. And church, I hope and I pray that the United States stays in full support with Israel. I hope so. But if for some reason we waver from that, if some reason we're persuaded to do something other than that, I want you to know that God will not take his eye off of Israel just because America does. And I want you to know that America is not Israel's saving grace. We have been called to support them, but if we don't, God's not sleeping on Israel. And I believe in my heart of hearts that when it's all said and done, that Israel will stand when all others fade away. Because God is faithful. Every nation will pass away. Hamas will pass away. Israel will last. The kingdom of God will reign forevermore. Amen? That's such good news for you and I. That's so good for me and you. If you want to spin this and say, what's this for me? I want you to know that, that if anything comes against you, God will not slumber. Because when you need help from God and when things come against you in life, you need a God that you can trust. And if you see him being faithful to Israel, then you can say, God, I'm grafted into that. That's me. You're being faithful to me there. You'll be faithful to me here. And listen, when Satan comes against Israel in the form of Hamas, when he comes against Israel, when he comes against you, when, when the Hamas can't stand, the devil can't stand when he comes against you either. Man, that's good preaching, Pastor Tim. I'll just clap for, for that word myself. That's good. Amen. Listen, I need that. I need that. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't float around on, on clouds. Like, I got problems. And I'm like, Lord, I need a God that's faithful. And he is faithful. Amen. Number four, why are we supporting Israel? God blesses those who bless Israel. In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, this is Abraham, he said, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, it says. And then God says, I will bless you and I will make you famous. How famous is Israel? The whole world is staring at Israel. And he said, and I will make you to be a blessing to others. Verse three, pay attention. I will bless those who bless you. And God says, I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And then all the families on earth will be blessed through you. 
Well, I'll tell you what, if I were a bunch of college students marching around my campus chanting things against Israel, I'd get a little cautious right now. I'm a God of, I'm a believer in a God of grace, but I also know that God loves Israel. I'd be real careful. Personally, I don't want to have anything to do with those who are out in the streets cursing Israel. Anti-Semitism is wrong on every level. It's wrong on the campuses. It's wrong in the streets of, of D.C. It's wrong anywhere in Wilmington. It's wrong. It's evil wherever it is expressed. It's wrong. It's evil. And church, let me just tell you this. I'm just in it right here. You ready? Let me tell you this. God's God will not be mocked, and his word will always be true. And if you curse the nation of Israel in some shape, form, or fashion, God's going to come against you. And I don't want that in my life. I don't want that in your life. I don't want this in the church. I don't want it in my city, my nation. I don't want it anywhere. But the Bible says this, if you bless Israel, then God will bless you. And listen, I'm here to say God bless Israel, right? We, we want to stand with Israel. If you bless Israel, God will bless your family. You bless Israel, God will bless your children's children. God will bless our church. God will bless a nation. If our nation continues to stay the course and support and bless Israel, I believe America will be blessed because of it. And so I just want to say it because I love this thought, but God bless America and God bless Israel. Amen. Does this mean though that we hate Palestinians? Not at all, church. Of course not. We're Christians. We love people and we want to see every person come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And even in this time of significant pain in wartime when there's pressure. I hope that God uses that as a way to turn people away from the natural things, from a government, away from maybe Hamas they think is going to protect them, maybe any other rocket. I hope they turn away from all of that and they turn to God. I hope it creates a revival in the land. I hope the Israelis see that what they are seeing happen in front of them wasn't just what they did. It's not just the dome that protects them. It's God's hand that's protecting them. And I hope Israel turns into a revival as a result of this. We love people. We want to see God move. But I'm not going to let the misguided information and the compassionate heart and, and all that is surrounding people that want to see the underdog win and all of that, I, none of that can, can, can sway us from the, the evil root in Hamas and none of that can draw our affection away from Israel, which is happening around the world. And number five, Israel was given the right deed and possession of the land by God. God gave them the land. There's conversation out there about Israel as being occupiers. Like they're occupying someone else's land and 
And so they're the ones that should have to leave. And well, that's just not a biblical perspective. Israel was given the land thousands of years before any of this came about. Let me read it to you in the book of Genesis chapter 13. It says, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, he said, look around from where you are to the north and to the south, to the east, to the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. How long is forever? Yeah, that's all the way to today, right? So he said, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. He said, go walk the length and the breadth of your land for I am giving it to you. And so if you're wondering, well, what land is it? Like, well, where is that land? Well, the Bible also gives him the boundaries of their land, the borders of their land. You know, God likes borders and boundaries too, by the way. Every nation has a right to protect their borders and boundaries that God gives. Amen. All right, just throwing that in there. That was, that was bonus material. You didn't pay for that one. Kidding, you didn't pay for any of it. So what are the boundaries? It says in Genesis 15, 18, it says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. And he said to your descendants, I give you the land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. And so he gave them their territory. So Israel is the only nation on earth that was created by a sovereign act of God. And the Jewish people are the indigenous people of that land. Long before others, and long before they were granted the right to reoccupy their land. So the Jewish people were scattered after the demolishing of the temple in 70 AD. So this is biblical times you read in the New Testament. And so they were scattered and then they lived in exile until May 14th, 1948. And this is the date that the Jewish people were able to declare their establishment of their, of their statehood of, as a country again. Interesting, within less than a week, they were attacked by Arab countries because they didn't believe in the statehood of Israel. And so within days after establishing, they went to war can you imagine how unprepared they were for war? But God said, those are my people, and we don't care who attacks my people. God watches out over our people, and they succeeded and won a war. Yes. Well, that's a lot of information. You might want to rewatch some of that when it comes online. But here's the thought, though, is I, I just hope that clarifies though, why we are seeing what we're seeing in a natural sense and, and a spiritual sense. And as, as Christians and believers, we are seeing things through both lens. We watch the news, we see natural. We, we read the Bible, we see spiritual. And, and as Christians, we have to be able to, to discern and know why we support what we support. And it's not just a, a matter of, you know, good and bad out there. Like that country's good, that country's bad. And it's not that we dislike a country and we hope this country blows up that country. And I'm like, this isn't a game on a, on a chessboard. This is but th like, this, these are real people, real lives, real deaths, real pain. It's, it's, it's horrible. Hor War is horrible. But also you have to see it through a biblical lens because without that, you'll be confused on what to do and what to pray and what to say and where to stand. And the Bible teaches us that. 
But I want to remind you though today that we know that God will be faithful to Israel. It's been proven. Listen, Israel has existed from war to battle. They've been exiled. Israel has sinned and, and God has judged them and then he regrouped his remnant. If you read the Old Testament, that's all you read. They, they served God and God blessed them. They stopped serving God and they were cursed and they got thrown out and then God gathered them back up and they, they, they served God and then they had another king and they quit serving God. God sent a prophet and said, quit doing that and they quit doing that and they served God again. It's been that way all along. Generations and generations all the way up to today, God has been faithful to his people. And I just want to land with this for you today and for me. And I want to minister to your heart that if God did it for them, we're grafted. He does it for you. And what your struggle is, what your pain is, what, your, what the, the mountain in your life that seems overwhelming, the, the things that are holding you back, the, the, the pressures, if you will turn to God in the same way God sent a prophet to tell Israel to turn to God and he would be there for them. I'm your prophet today. And I'm saying turn to God and he will deliver you. He will be there for you and he will never fail you just as he has never failed his people, the Israelites. You receive that today? Now, we've been talking about being grafted in. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're grafted into those promises. Without being grafted in, then that promise of him always watching out isn't there. The, the promise and the blessings of God are, are not there. And today I want to share with anyone in this room today that this is a day for you to be grafted into God's promise. The promise of salvation. And let me... Let me share it like this, is you need to know that God loves you. He cares deeply about you. Whether you're a Christian or not, he loves you. Whether you've ever like done a good thing or a bad thing, it doesn't matter because out of his heart, out of who he is, the being of God is love and he loves you. You can't be good enough or bad enough to change his love for you. He just, that's who he is. But you and I have a, a sin problem. Like, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And we've all missed the, the mark of perfection, holiness. And it's that sin, whatever it be, the lie, whatever it be, some misguided thought, whatever it may be, it's what separated people from God. That we're, we're not grafted when we're separated. And the only way for us to be grafted to the tree, grafted to what God has for our life, is by believing in Jesus Christ. And the moment you say, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then he forgives that sin that separates, and now you're part of the branch, you're part of the tree, and now, now the, the life-giving life of God, and then Jesus flows to you. But there's a moment for everyone to make a decision. And that decision is, is I believe in Jesus as my savior.
Your mama can't do it for you. Your grandmama didn't do it for you. Only you can say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I choose him and I ask for forgiveness of my sins. And the Bible teaches us that he will forgive you and you'll be grafted. You'll be in a relationship with God because of Jesus. So would you bow your heads in this really holy moment? And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior, I pray that today you would make that choice. And if that's you, would you just lift your hand to me and say, Pastor Tim, I want to be one of those people. I believe in Jesus as my Savior. I want my sins forgiven today. Is there anyone here today? Amen. Amen. I see your hand. You can put it hands down. Let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He came to earth. He died for my sins. He rose again. I turn to Jesus. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I receive that forgiveness today. And I'm saved. I'm part of the family of God. In Jesus' name. Amen, church. Can we give God a great clap? Amen. There's one thing I want to encourage you to do as we are finishing up this part of the service is I want you to pray for Israel. And I'm putting on the screen, if our tech team would go back, please, one slide to, there are nine prayer requests. And I wrote these out in this nine ways for you to pray for Israel. And so take a picture of that. I'm not going to go through all of that. Let that be your, your way that you pray for Israel this week. Social media somewhere along the way. We'll probably post some of that. Now, would you stand to your feet? I know I've preached a little extra today. But one of the most important parts of our service is where we we receive prayer and we, we worship this last moment together as a church. I'm going to invite our prayer leaders to come to the front. And first, if you raised your hand today, so I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be saved today. I want to ask you to take a, one more step in that, to come to someone at the front and ask them to pray with you. I think there's something additionally important in your life to, to take a step it's, it's like a, a public declaration of saying, I, I chose Jesus today. Now, we're not going to do anything extra than just to pray for you, but we'd love you to take that step and come see one of these people and say, that was me today. Also, there's communion. They have tables in the back and on the sides here. And if you want to take communion today, you go to the table, get the, the little, little cup there. It's got a little bread in it, and you can remember Christ. He died on the cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that we can be grafted in, so we can be part of God's family. You can celebrate that. If you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for your body and healing in any way, maybe there's something going on in your life, I just want prayer. We have people here ready to pray for you. 
But last, let's just at least take this moment and worship God with a pure heart and say, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that your promises are forever for us. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's worship.